So we're continuing this. We're going to be in this series for quite a few weeks. And I just want to remind us where we've been to catch everybody up to speed and remind us where we're going. Coincidence, as it's commonly understood, is defined as events or circumstances that occur together without causal connection. Just stuff happens. Not quite sure why, not sure if there's a plan, but that's what typically people mean by coincidence. However, if you have a belief in God, it means that coincidence cannot exist because the cause is not unknown. Now, that's hard to put together. It's hard to live in a chaotic world trying to understand that a God puts everything together when some of the stuff that comes together feels like it shouldn't be together. What ends up happening is that even for people who follow Jesus, that when coincidences are bad, we always play the victim. Don't know why it happened. Doesn't make any sense. I'm just a victim of circumstances, right? Conversely, if circumstances are good, then we become superstitious to try to make whatever good happen, happen again. And so we find ourselves stuck. I asked a question last week, is there coincidence in the Bible? Is the word coincidence used in the Bible? Is that a biblical word? You people were here last week. You remember that. I appreciate that. Good, yeah. So the word coincidence is used one time in all of the Bible, and it's used by Jesus himself. Now, it's translated a little bit differently, but when Jesus was teaching the parable of the Good Samaritan, this Jew was beaten up and robbed, and all these other Jews walked by, and finally a Samaritan. Those, those two people groups did not get along well. And finally a Samaritan, who who those two people groups didn't like each other, took some time and took care of this fella. But in the telling of that story, in Luke 10, 31, Jesus says, now by chance, that's coincidence. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw the man who had been beaten, he passed by on the other side. Jesus uses this word coincidence right here. By coincidence, is how the Amplified Version more adequately in this sense, in this case, translates that word. Now, the word that Jesus used for by chance or coincidence is a Greek word, synkirion, made up of two words, sin means together with, and kurios, supreme authority. So when events are combined together, come together with supreme authority, by supreme authority, that's coincidence. So in other words, that God takes events and puts them together at his design, that's coincidence which means they don't happen by chance. To anyone who believes in a divine sovereign God, what we understand is that what occurs together by God's providential arrangements or events looks to us as if it's coincidence. But there are events that have been put together by God's providential arrangement of those events. So what I know is this, God orchestrates and works in events 
My job is to respond with a biblical worldview. And what I mean by a biblical worldview is what I see in here determines what, how I interpret stuff out there. That's a biblical worldview. What I see in here helps me interpret what I see out there. And when what I see in here helps me interpret what I, what I experience out there, I understand that God has the ability, the foresight, and ultimately the love to work things together by his providence. Coincidence. And so we're going to look in this series through the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, and see God's orchestration of events in here that will help us interpret what happens out there biblically. So last week we started, and last week we looked at the fact that God sometimes orchestrates a dead end to produce a deliverance. This week we're going to look at the idea that that, that God can orchestrate or work within a crisis to produce a leader and a future. Just because you're in crisis doesn't mean it's over. God oftentimes uses crisis, whether they're orchestrated by him or works within them, to produce both a leader and a future. It's not by coincidence. We're going to see how God orchestrates a lack to produce a love we're going to see how God orchestrates someone lowly to bring about a victory in a hero named David. We're going to see how God orchestrates a deficit to produce a solution. We're going to see how God orchestrates you for the moment that you're in. And then a little two-part series, we're going to see how God orchestrates events so you can reach your huddle and needs so you can reach your huddle. And none of this is by coincidence as we understand coincidence. It's all by things orchestrated by a divine, sovereign God. So, follow with me. As we look at the way God works in a crisis to produce both a leader and a future. Now, I, I need to say up front that God doesn't always orchestrate crisis but God always works within crisis. Sometimes we create crisis. Do you understand that? Matter of fact, most of the crisis that we're in are self-created. Can we just be honest? Why did God do this? Well, God didn't tell you to get the credit card or go into $30,000 of consumer debt. That wasn't God's deal. But God works in it. You understand? So... I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, and they say, well, you know, if God was so strong and so loving, why are there so many starving people in the world? I'm like, well, that's not God's problem. Like, God didn't make that happen. God has provided enough food on this planet to make all of us fat. Everybody. See, God doesn't have a, a, a supply problem. God has a distribution problem. And it's us. You understand what I'm saying? So, so God doesn't make orchestrate crisis so he can do something all the time. Sometimes man creates crisis, but God can work in the crisis. Okay, so, 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 so I, I want you to understand this. Just please make sure. In crisis, God orchestrates events, even if they're your crisis, even if you created it, 
even if it's your fault, God still orchestrates events. Events that God orchestrates in crisis may look like coincidence to the casual observer. But to those with eyes of faith and a biblical worldview, we know that God orchestrates events in a crisis to redeem it, to restore it, and to bring about a good purpose through it. That's what we know. Oftentimes when God orchestrates coincidence, it's often in preparation for another coincidence. Like, like when God puts events together, divinely put together, it looks like coincidence to us. But when he does that, it's often in preparation for another coincidence, which prepares for another coincidence, because he's never not working. And we saw it all the day. Last week, we looked at Joseph's life, Old Testament guy, Genesis 37 through 50. And we saw this over and over and over. It was by coincidence that Midianite traders came by at the perfect time for him to be sold into their employ. It was by coincidence that they ended up at Potiphar's house, who was in charge of the prison system. It was coincidence setting up another coincidence. It was coincidence that a man who had worked for Pharaoh was thrown in jail that set up another coincidence. By coincidence, Joseph was charged with a crime he did not commit and thrown into the exact same jail that was oversaw by Potiphar, the guy he was working for, which set up another coincidence because that guy in jail that he met had a dream that Joseph interpreted, which set up another coincidence that Joseph had interpreted a dream for Pharaoh that was freaked out by a similar dream, which set up another coincidence that because of that interpretation of that dream set up Joseph to be in command to set up a nation to be delivered. So one coincidence was just a setup for another coincidence. And all those coincidences were set up to bring a blessing to generations to come. So when God sets up a coincidence in your life, don't stop looking for his hand in that coincidence because he's setting up another coincidence behind it. You understand? So here's what I want to say. Here's one of the things I want to say. I want to say a lot. Here's one of the things I want to say. Whenever you see coincidence in life, keep an eye on your future. God ain't done. Whenever you see a coincidence in your life, keep an eye on your future because God is setting things up. No mind has conceived what God has planned for those who love him. Coincidence after coincidence after coincidence. The coincidence in Joseph's, uh, Joseph's life led to incredibly great abundance, prosperity, prominence, and growth for God's people. But with all things, all of that glory didn't last. It faded. Let me just make a note here. All that glory and position and prestige and popularity that you're seeking out, all the promotion that you're trying to attain, just understand that it's all going to be forgotten very soon. And you're going to go back to being a nobody. 
I just, I mean, that's just life. Like, I, like I, 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 I really enjoy the sport of football. And I was thinking the other day, when, when, when my middle son Caleb got recruited to go play football in South Dakota, they gave him the number 33. That meant nothing to Caleb. But I said, Caleb, no, 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 no. you got to understand, 33, that's an incredible number. Tony Dorsett, he said, who? <laughs> I said, boy, I raised you better than that. Heisman Trophy winner out of Pitt, Dallas Cowboy, first carry of his pro career, like a 70-yard touchdown. The man was amazing. Forgotten about. Tell my boys about all those greats, man. Forgotten about. And so let's just understand. Let's keep things in perspective. I'm not saying don't reach for the stars and do everything you can. I'm just saying understand how transitory it all is. And so just like the Hebrews in Egypt, it was going great. But pretty soon, like everything else, it just fades and dwindles. And what happened was a new ruler took up the throne in Egypt. And he either forgotten about or just flat out didn't care about the story of Joseph. And Joseph and all the great surrounding his life was forgotten about. Now let me, let me ask you this. Have you ever been forgotten about? Right? Have people in life ever just stopped caring? You probably have. So if, 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 if you've ever been forgotten about by people who are supposed to remember you, if people ever just stop caring who, who are supposed to love you, if you've ever been forgotten about or people stop caring, start watching for coincidence. Events are being orchestrated by God for your future. Just understand that. God is doing great things. And he ain't done. The coincidence that God orchestrates through Joseph's life for the good of God's people was soon forgotten, and his people were in crisis yet again. The Hebrews were in Egypt, and they experienced great blessing and growth and favor. Don't you know that there's always strength in numbers? Right? I mean, there's always strength in numbers. And so now these Hebrews had a lot of numbers. It means they got a lot of strength. But they were the new ones in the land. And their sheer size was threatening the existing power base of the Egyptians. Now, can I just give you a leadership lesson here? As a leader, if any of you are in a leadership position of an organization or people, please understand, when the new group into that organization starts to threaten the power base of that organization, they're going to become a threat to the power base of that organization. And it takes a great leader to orchestrate change. Just understand that. And so this is what was happening in Egypt. The Hebrews, growing in number and prosperity, were a threat to the Egyptians. So the Egyptians enslaved them to keep them from being a threat. Because if I make a slave out of you, you're no longer a threat. 
you understand that? Anytime the current power base is threatened, they seek to nullify the threat. And so, as the Egyptians did of the Hebrews, you put them in slavery and you nullify the threat that they have become. Slavery is the way rulers stay in power and keep a strong people group controlled. And whether it's 6,000 B.C. or the 1800s A.D., power dynamics have not changed. Weak leaders seek to enslave strong people because only strong leaders can lead strong people. And God's people were in crisis for hundreds of years in slavery, in brutality, and injustice. Egypt, the nation of Egypt, was built on the backs of slaves. Hebrews. Jews. And God orchestrated events of a crisis to rescue and liberate his people. God orchestrated the life of this man called Moses. And he became the great liberator. And Moses led his God's people out of slavery to the edge of the promised land. Do you know Moses didn't go, get to go in the promised land? He died up on a place called Mount Nebo. God took him up to the top of this mountain where you could see everything. The entire promised land. The city of palms of these great date palm trees. He could see the whole thing. And God told him, boy, you almost made it. And he died up on top of Mount Nebo. He led him right to the edge. And God orchestrated his life to become the great, one of the greatest leaders in human history. The man through whom God worked mighty and miraculous wonders. But Moses, Moses should have never been born. And the Hebrew people's future should have always been bleak. See, what happened is this. In the midst of a crisis, God is orchestrating events to raise up a leader and to create a future. And when God does that, he's whispering to us that ultimately he is our rescuer with his future in mind. See, because Pharaoh is threatened by the population of the Hebrews and was in fear that if they were attacked by a neighboring country or army, the Hebrews would join the enemies and raise up against the Egyptians. And so he made a law to kill all the Hebrew baby boys. Because if you kill all the baby boys, pretty soon you got no army. And that was his way of controlling population. Pharaoh, can you imagine a law that allowed for killing babies? Can you imagine that? Um, you've heard of uh, that was what, what, what was once a law in China, the one baby law? You know how many children died? A whole bunch. You, you, I'm sure you've heard of U.S. abortion laws. You know how many babies died? A whole bunch. 
We had a friend down in Southern California who made that choice early in her life. Uh, and one of the things that we worked through with her is the healing and the forgiveness of grace in recreating her future. And if that has been your experience, I want you to understand that we're here to help you recover and to heal because there's trauma in that that is not often acknowledged. And this is one reason why we must always support Pregnancy Care Center. So Pharaoh makes this law to kill these Hebrew baby boys. But, but, But in this story, and we're going to read it in just a minute, there were these Hebrew midwives that would come alongside these Hebrew pregnant ladies and help them give birth. And these midwives revolted. That might be the law, but that's not our, we ain't going to do that. And these, the, the Bible says that these Hebrew, Hebrew midwives feared God and saved the babies. They made sure that these babies were born. Because the, the fact remains, you can't fear God and kill babies. You can't do it. And so what I love about these Hebrew midwives, as God is orchestrating these events, is that they fear God more than they fear the culture's rules and opinions. And it's got to be the same with us. Those who follow Jesus have got to fear God more than you fear culture's rules or opinions. It's got to be that way. And so Pharaoh, seeing that the law for killing baby boys wasn't working... Like, he was, they were supposed to put them to death right when they were born, but they, you know, they let them get born. And so he changed the law. And he said, if a Hebrew baby boy is born, throw it into the Nile River. Because either it'll drown or the crocs will get him. That's... And so here's the story. Watch for the coincidence. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, what mama hasn't said their child's a fine child? If you ask your neighbor, they might not say that baby's fine. But if you're the mama, you're going to say, boy, he's fine. (laughs) I mean, let's just be honest. Some babies come out, and they don't look too fine. You got a big old cone head, and eyes over here, and a nappy hair, and... I mean, some of you grow up okay, Mackie, but when you're born, it's just like, what? I don't. But to mama, it's a fine baby. She hid him for three months. But when she couldn't hide him any longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along along the bank of the Nile. This Hebrew woman, her name was Jochbed. She had a baby, and she hid him for three months. Now, it's hard to hide a baby for very long. They, they tend to get squirrely and loud. And she decided to make a basket, a papyrus basket. Literally, the Bible, it's, it, it's the word ark. She made an ark for this baby 
and she covered it literally in tar and pitch. That is a weird idea to get for your baby. I know what I'll do. I'll take my baby and I'll put it in a basket and put it in a... Where does she get a strange idea like that? It's the exact word that's used in Genesis 6.14 of Noah's ark. She knew God's story in history. She knew what God had already done. And she figured, I know my God. And if God has done great things before, like save a man in the middle of the waters in an ark, he can do great things again. Like save my baby in the middle of waters in an ark. She knew the scriptures. And she knew her God. And I'm telling you, we must believe that God still does great things. Orchestrating events that we view as circumstances together. And follow the example of God's people in Scripture, a biblical worldview that helps us interpret what happens out there and expect that God did great things then and he still does great things now. And because I believe that God still does great things, I'm going to put it in God's care and trust God with it, whatever it is. You understand? Because I've seen something in here that tells me God has done great things. And what I see in here helps me interpret what happens out there. And I know that even out there, God will still do great things. The story goes on. Moses' sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Baby Moses had a sister. And she stood by on the sidelines watching I want you to know something, that people are standing around the sidelines of your life watching what God will do, and they're either concerned or morbidly curious or just wonder, but your huddle, those people around you are watching to see how God will orchestrate things in your life and to see how you will respond to that orchestration of coincidence. And while Moses' mama was following the examples of that she knew that God had done in the past with the ark and saving someone in the water, God was orchestrating things behind the scenes in a crisis to raise up a leader and create a future. Look at what God was orchestrating. Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe because there was no indoor plumbing. So the rich went down the Nile to bathe. And her attendants were walking along the riverbank watching for crocs. She saw a basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of those Hebrew babies, she said. Watch what was happening. Pharaoh's daughter just happened to, at the right time by coincidence, be bathing at the right time in the right place to see a little ark floating by. Imagine what would have happened if that orchestration of that coincidence wouldn't have happened right at that time. 
And curious, because she heard a baby crying, she got the ark and opened it and said, hey, this is a Hebrew boy. How does she know he was a Hebrew boy? He was circumcised. I mean, it's real simple. Because they'd followed the law of God and trusted the baby with him. Look at how this is all, all these coincidences. Just by coincidence, she happens to be right at the right place at the right time. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go get one of those Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Just by coincidence, his sister's standing by and sees an opportunity and jumps in. Understand this, sometimes when an opportunity is before you, you've got to jump into it. Don't stand by all the time letting life pass you by. Sometimes God orchestrates by circumstance and coincidence an opportunity. Jump in. Watch how amazing this is. By coincidence. She said, yeah, go. So the girl went and got who? Moses' mama. Pharaoh's daughter said, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I'll pay you. Just by coincidence, she gave that baby up to God. God, by coincidence, delivered that baby back to her, and by coincidence, paid her to take care of her own son. That ain't bad. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. It's amazing how God orchestrates events. By coincidence, this mama got her son back and got paid to take care of him. And God orchestrated events of this crisis to produce this leader and to produce a future for him and his people from a child who should have never survived. It wasn't by a political move. It wasn't by strategy. It was by God's divine coincidence and someone trusting him. See, from a child with no future, God raised up a leader and a future. Don't ever think you got no future. By putting that child in the ark and floating it away on the currents of an uncontrollable river, coincidentally ended up upstream from Pharaoh's daughter, coincidentally at the precise time that her daughter was there, coincidentally Moses' sister watching from the silence, coincidentally allowing uh, Moses' mama to raise him, coincidentally to be able to go back to Pharaoh's daughter and become the prince of Egypt, positioning him for what God was orchestrating in the future of his people from a child who should have never been born. And Moses reminds us that God himself is the great liberator with the future. As Moses was one who was destined for death, who became one who rescued, so is Jesus, who was one destined for death, who became our rescuer and our liberator from sin into a great future. I want to make one note here. You know who the hero of the story is? Is Moses' mama. Moses' mama 
is a hero of Moses' life before Moses could ever take a step. She was a real leader that God raised up in a crisis. She did what was right in opposition to the culture. She was the one who trusted God with the future of her baby by placing him in a basket, going far beyond what anybody else had done, and giving him back to God's care and say, God, I'm going to set this child on a currents that I cannot control. And I'm trusting you to orchestrate by coincidence whatever my baby needs for their deliverance. And she trusted God because that mama knew that God had done great things in the past. And because that mama knew that God had done great things in the past, trusted that God would do great things in the future. She's the hero. And so in a crisis, believe that God can still do great things. And whatever that is, put it in God's care. And with your heart and soul, trust God with it. And when you do that, you become a leader and God creates a future. Do you understand? Listen. I know that God has done great things. And so I interpret that God will still do great things. Do you understand? I know that God has done great things. And it's not by coincidence that I interpret the things that, that God will kill, st- keep doing, good things, great things. Because I know he's done great things. I interpret the things that happen as God's coincidental orchestration of great things to come. Do you understand? Yes, sir. I want you to pray with me. It is not by coincidence that you're here right now. You think you planned why you're here. You have no idea why you're here. It's not by coincidence. Father, thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be here in the center of your divine orchestration of this day in our lives. Thank you that you love us so much that you orchestrate even, and you work in crisis, you work events even in crisis. Father, I ask that you would help us to, rem- and to be convinced that you have done great things, you will still do great things. Whatever it is that we're going through right now, the crisis that we're in, the crisis we're headed into, Father, I ask that you help us put it in your care and trust you with it. You are a good God that has done great things and that will still do great things. 
and we trust you. Hear now our voices in proclamation of faith that you are who you are and you will do what you've always done. Great things. We love you, amen.